Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Brand Builder Show. And if you want to grow a business that lasts, if you want to overcome some of the internal dialogue that so often challenges us to step back and not build the business of our dreams, then this episode is for you because we are going to be talking about some non-traditional kind of e-commerce stuff as well as some great e-commerce stuff as well. You know, just about being an entrepreneur, the challenges we face and how to overcome them. And uh, to do that, we've got, uh, I think now our um, most frequent guest, this I think is your third time on the show. Show, ben Ben Leonard, welcome to the show today. Good to be here. Thanks for having me back. No, it's, it's a pleasure. You're like a um, community favourite, so uh, so it's good to <laughs> good to have you on. And uh, yeah, well, like I said, we're going to chat through uh, a bunch of things. You've got loads of things going on, which would be good to chat through. Very interesting for our audience, but um, you know, also some some things that are maybe you know not common things that we talk about, less tactical, less strategic, and more just about um, you know how to be the entrepreneur that you need to be to build a successful business. So um, yeah, that's going to be good. Uh, why don't you, for anybody that's maybe not listened to previous episodes give us like the uh you know the, the the running total on what you're up to uh where you've been how you got here and then maybe we'll dive into some more of the stuff you've been doing a bit more recently yeah sure um i'll try and keep it brief so i don't bore the people that have heard me before <laughs> um so my name's ben leonard i live in northeast scotland i got into e-commerce back in 2016 before that i was an ecologist in the, the oil and gas industry so i was telling oil guys they couldn't throw chemicals in the sea they didn't like that very much. Um, I got quite sick uh, with a heart condition. I was also not having the best time uh, sort of mental health wise at that time either. And I needed something to give me um, a distraction and give me sort of uh, something to kind of aim for. My then girlfriend, now wife, was studying and she was super busy. So I had this idea to start a fitness brand and sell fitness products into gyms. And then while I was developing my first product, I came across this whole idea of actually, well, it'd be much better to sell them just straight to Joe Public on the internet. And I found that you could do that on Amazon and I, you could build a website pretty easily on a platform called Shopify. And I grew that business. Turns out I was quite good at it. I ended up quitting my job and I grew that business and we were doing about $6 million in annual revenue when I sold it in late 2019. It happened to be the first European business bought by one of the new wave of e-commerce aggregators at the time. And so these days, I am building new brands. Uh, I co-own two brands, one of which will launch later this year on Kickstarter. I've got um, equity and a few others that I sort of mentor. Um, I am helping e-commerce business owners with their exits with e-com brokers, which I co-founded with my accountant, Alison. And I am speaking at e-commerce conferences and sharing my knowledge in that type of thing. Nice. All over the world. You've just been to Vietnam, right? Yeah, just been to Vietnam on the the Vietnam sourcing trip where I was one of the invited experts. So the delegates would, would visit trade shows and factories by day and by, by night. I would teach them branding and marketing. And I was on hand during the day to visit all these things with them and just kind of be uh, uh, available to, to brainstorm things. Um, and while I was there, I actually visited one of my manufacturers too, which was great. Nice, nice. How were the people on that trip approaching e-commerce? Because it's a big deal to go on a sourcing trip to Vietnam. Like they're obviously taking it seriously. What mm. were some of the standout things that you saw in that group of people? It was a mix. Some of them had brands and were very much searching for products for their brands. Mm. And they, had, they were coming from my sort of school of thought and your school of thought, which is build a brand, don't just try mm. and sell stuff. Mm. Some of them, I was trying to sort of re-educate them on selling stuff because they were li just looking for stuff in Vietnam. And I think by the end of it, I'd managed to, to 
to, to convince them that it's about building a brand. So I was constantly asking, okay, well, this looks like an interesting product, but how is it going to make sense? Who is your audience? How are you going to build a brand around this, right? Um, I learned a lot from the people that were there as well, right? There was a mix of complete newbies all the way up to people doing multiple seven figures in sales. Uh, we had a guy doing eight figures who uh, was not selling on Amazon, uh, was actually only selling on, on Shopify and in retail, and uh, was actually interested in, in, in getting into Amazon. He was a, a really interesting guy and actually brought a lot of value to the group as well because it's always great to to surround yourself with people who have a different perspective on things and absorb their knowledge. And it's also important that we surround ourselves with people at different levels because I found myself learning a lot from new people who were facing the same challenges I faced years ago when I got started, but the conditions have changed, the rules have changed. The platforms that are available have changed. The marketing tools have changed. And so it's important that I stay in touch with those people to make sure that I can still relate to them and that the information I'm putting out there is irrelevant for those people. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, and what did you find about uh, Vietnam in terms of, is there like a certain type of product that you would go to Vietnam to source or are they trying to rival China um, as they grow? They will eventually rival China. They're not completely there yet at all because it's a much smaller country, smaller population, um, smaller, smaller amount of area. Uh, it's also obviously had its, its difficulties um, and is now getting quite a lot of investment in manufacturing there, mostly from Korea and also from China. Chinese manufacturers actually moving there uh, in many ways to avoid some of the issues with, um, well, the Trump tariffs, but also potentially, you know, Suppose China invades Taiwan. Mm. A lot of people are not going to want to be manufacturing in China at that time. Mm. Uh, in terms of product types, there is a range. So you, they do do more complex things like electronics. So uh, Apple and Samsung are both manufacturing in Vietnam now, okay. as are some other electronics companies, and they're improving their capability there. You will find things all the way from sort of handicraft type items made from stone and marble and uh, seagrass and bamboo and wood all the way through to plastics and acrylics and complex um, electronic products. The diversity of product and, and te technolo technological capability is not up there with China yet, but it's getting there. It just in terms of like the sheer number of manufacturers, right? Yeah. Um, and the speed at which they can uh, produce new technologies isn't quite there. Um, but there are areas in which they really are the best. Like, for instance, um, one of my brand's manufacturers there, we produce a product that is a highly technical product made from textiles. Mm -hmm. um, and that type of stuff out there for, let's say, the outdoor industry, like backpacks and that kind of thing, Vietnam is like the place to go. Mm. Okay. And if someone wants to look at Vietnam as a sourcing option... Can't uh, imagine. Uh, maybe you can go on Alibaba because you can choose location. But what's the best way to kind of get started with it? You can go on Alibaba. Um, the people I would recommend you speak to are um, Jim Kenimer from Cosmo Sourcing. Mm -hmm. So I just Google Cosmo Sourcing. He specializes in, and I, I'm, I get nothing for saying that. I just think he's a great dude and he knows his stuff. Um, he actually lived in Vietnam for a long time. He, he he's back home in the U.S. now. Uh, but still has a team on the ground there. I met him there in Vietnam and traveled through Vietnam with him. Um, so I would I would speak with Jim at Cosmo Sourcing. Um, if you want to go through a sourcing agent, 
other options are to look at things like Alibaba and global sources. Mm-hmm. Um, these are uh, the main avenues that I would look at. And actually, uh, v- the Vietnam Vietnamese government, who are really trying to push working with Western um, Western businesses, have set up various portals. Just give them a quick Google for Vietnam manufacturers, where you will find sort of fairly comprehensive lists of Vietnamese manufacturers. Okay. And so, you know, one of the advantages I would say to manufacturing there is uh, they are quite progressive in terms of. Uh, they want to do business with with uh, with the West. Um, you don't have the Trump tariffs. Uh, Labor is relatively cheap. Um, the conditions in the factories are, are are good, and you don't have the same human rights concerns that you've got in China. Like, for instance, what's going on in the uh, the West of China now, which is pretty concerning. Um, so, a lot of good reasons to go to Vietnam. I, I still like China. Like, mm. and I, I'm not manufacturing there now. I, I may well do again in the future. But it's just nice to have another option. Yeah. Yeah, he's um, a foolish man. It bets against China for sure, but uh, but definitely good to have some some other options. Price wise, are they uh, you know working out cheaper overall than, than China, or is it similar? Or? Um, the labor is certainly cheaper. Uh, it it, it kind of depends because if you're mm-hmm. going there for a specific type of product and that's where the expertise is, then they don't have to go quite as cheap. Mm. Um, it's quite similar, I think, perhaps a little cheaper. Um, I would say the advantages of Vietnam are really less to do with the money side and more to do with uh, having a, an alternative option to China, yeah. um, zigging where everyone else zags, um, and they're really easy to do business with. Nice. Cool. Good. Now that's uh, insightful. This wasn't meant to be a Vietnam sourcing episode. No. But we'll, uh, we'll move on from there. But uh, was the food good, by the way? I hear it's quite good over there. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like the Chinese food was either amazing or horrific. But in <laughs> Vietnam, it was just like really good all the time and occasionally outstanding. The seafood yeah. was incredible. Nice, nice. Good. Okay. And then just yeah, some of the other projects you've, you've been doing, how, how they've been coming along. You mentioned sort of some newer brands you've launched. Um, you've seen some good early success with those. Um, yeah. What approaches do you take? Yeah, bring us up to speed, I, I guess, and, and just give us an insight into what approaches you're taking to launch them. I know you're not necessarily on the ground, you know, as intensely as, as maybe the first brand you started, but you're certainly involved. So give us some insight into that. Yeah, sure. So... One of the most interesting ones right now is yet to launch. It is a, a parent and baby brand, which I was inspired to create after my own experience with products with uh, my kids. And I partnered up with my buddy Mark on that. Mark is really good at sort of the uh, the, the, the nitty gritty of, of running particularly Amazon accounts, and I'm more of the brand and the vision kind of guy. And that project has been two and a half years in the making, and we still haven't launched because we're <laughs> developing a, a highly technical product with a lot of IP, we've been through five rounds of prototyping. We're about to start round six. This is the manufacturer I was visiting in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. I think I spent close to 70 grand on the design, which some people, their eyes will water at that. But to me, it is um, an investment in intellectual property. And it actually only makes the moat around the business wider and makes mm-hmm. it more confident that we're going to succeed because you can't outmarket a bad product Mm-hmm. especially when it comes to kids because mm-hmm. especially mums they will they, they will talk and you need to get this right so i'm really confident about that brand and what's quite exciting about it is uh, it's completely custom we have a lot of ip and we're going to launch on kickstarter 
which has a couple of benefits. A, you can raise a bunch of money, but B, you can create a lot of hype. Yeah. And that's one of the real attractions to it. And it's just a new platform and it's exciting to bring yourself up to speed with new platforms and um, uh, learn more about that and um, use it as an alternative way to launch a brand rather than what, what most people are doing uh, with Amazon. Yeah, definitely. Excited to see how you go with that. It's, uh, yeah, definitely a, a platform that is, um, yeah, got lots of benefits, like you say, for sure. So it'd be very interesting to watch. Um, yeah. And then another project you're working on is you've got a book coming out soon. I do. Yes. Um, I am releasing a book uh, in October. It's called Quit Stalling and Build Your Brand. Nice. And I was inspired to write this book. Uh, I, I made the decision to write it about a year ago, actually. Um, after attending a few e-commerce conferences and sitting in the audience and thinking, you know, I've got a lot, of, lot to offer here, um, but I couldn't possibly talk about all of it in, in, in a few half-hour slots at a conference, so why don't I put it in a book? And I realized that the book I wanted to write didn't exist because there's a lot of great e-commerce books, but unfortunately they go out of date very quickly because they're really kind of tactical. They focus on what to do in the here and now, download this tool, build your landing page with this thing, etc. And that's gonna go out of date very quickly. I wanted to create a more timeless book that people are gonna revisit again and again and again. Like for instance, I one of my favorite books of all time is The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. It's a classic. It's probably written for beginners, but I go back to it probably twice a year to make sure that I'm sticking to the principles. So I wanted to write a book that was specifically for e-commerce uh, entrepreneurs who may have an idea but haven't started yet or have started but are they're kind of stalling. They need a bit of help. They need some support from a guide who's been there and done that. And it's basically a roadmap all the way from sort of getting giving yourself permission you know so many people don't start their brand because they feel like an imposter yeah. um oh i've got this idea but i'm not a business person i don't have a business degree i'm not the right person to do this they can't sort of um imagine themselves doing it so that's the first thing is giving yourself permission to go and do it because you don't need any experience i didn't have any experience i was a dolphin nerd before i got <laughs> into e-commerce right um and then it, it takes you through this process of um putting together your, well, first of all, understanding who you're going to sell to, putting together your first product for those people and putting together an entire brand that, that speaks to those people and discussing how to market to those people. And then a bit, there's some drier stuff on developing your business and the, the basic principles around your business. And then we talk through how, how to launch, but it's very much the principles around it rather than, hey, go and use this tool because that will not be helpful in a few years' time. And I, the whole way through, I, I gave examples of the things that I've done with Beast Gear, my first brand, and the things that I'm doing now with my new brands to try to make it relevant. And we finish up talking about what might happen at the end uh, if people play their cards right, which is an exit. Yep. And how's the book writing process been for you? Hard work, <laughs> um, but great fun. Uh, challenging. It's not something I've ever done before. Yeah. Uh, not sure if I'll do it again. Um, <laughs> we'll see how this how this goes. See if anyone buys it. Um, uh, other than my mum, I'm sure she'll buy a copy. Um, <laughs> I'll buy it. But a copy oh, thanks, Ben. There you go. I'm going to sell two. <laughs> Woohoo! Um, it's 
it's it has been enjoyable. I've learned a lot. It's actually caused me to improve my businesses because mm. the whole time I'm kind of going through these things, I'm sort of re-educating myself mm. and I'm um, coming up with new ideas. Oh, well, hold on. What if we did it this way? Mm. Um, and well, I can't teach people about that unless I'm doing it myself, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, so it's almost like I've become my own consultant in a way, giving myself yeah. some, some free consulting yeah, yeah. sort of. <laughs> yeah, so, no, no, it's good. Yeah, I have, I have really enjoyed it. Um, I, I'm nearly done and, and the book's coming out in October. So yeah. um, I'm excited for that. Good. No, that's, that's exciting. A, a couple of things that we mentioned at the top of the show, you know, that maybe aren't sort of maybe tactical or strategic in nature, but very important for entrepreneurs to consider and discuss and be mindful of firstly that idea of business experience a lot of people come into the potential of starting an e-commerce business and they've got zero business experience um you're obviously a big proponent of yeah as the book says quit stalling and just get started uh, yep. what, what do you say to people that have got no experience and worry that their lack of experience is going to be uh, a weakness in in their journey so i think having experience can be an advantage but it can also give people a false sense of security because somebody might have experience in a completely different type of business in fact i've seen this quite a lot people i come across who have had a very successful hotel that they've run now they're trying to get into e-commerce and they're they're making a bit of a meal of it because they're applying principles that worked in the mid 90s to their hotel business to e-commerce and, and it just doesn't work mm. and i think very often people need to remember that so I'm all about encouraging people to build a brand around something that they're passionate about and that they know about. And when you do that, there's no one better than you to found that business because no one can sell your product like you because no one understands it as well as you and no one has the passion that you have. And we live in a time where there are so many tools um, and resources that are available either free or incredibly cheaply to build a brand you know the, the playing field has been leveled um the only difference between you know joe blogs and nike now is is scale mm. um we can all build a brand and actually it's only going to get easier as more and more and more tools become available and you only have to look at the speed with which ai has developed since the start of 2023 to see how much easier it's going to get in my view yeah. And it's also just that there is such an abundance of opportunity out there because like the age of mass marketing is dead. Mm. For instance, um, you know, mass marketing or rather mass market products were invented because <laughs> they were easy to sell. And mass marketing was invented to convince us all that there is this sort of thing called normal. Like we were all convinced that uh, margarine is normal. And so this mass market product came to exist, right? But it's horrible. But it's, yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> but actually we live in a time now where more and more people, because we're so connected because of, of the internet, all these sort of individual uh, groups or tribes, as Seth Godin would call them, exist. So, you know, I might be really into astrology, mm. Right or no, not astrology, astronomy, right? Actually looking through a telescope at stars. I mean, I'm not, but let's say I was. I'd probably be the only guy in my town of 10,000 people that is. 
But all I have to do is log on to Reddit or Discord or Facebook and find my buddies who are really into this. And one of them might be in a small town in Outer Mongolia and one of them might be in Sydney. And there you go. That's my tribe. And because of that, anyone who's into anything, whether it's a hobby or a profession or whatever it is, can find their, their tribe and then guess what? Build a suite of products that solve problems for those people and create a brand. And that's where it's at, in my opinion. Yeah. Do you still deal with imposter syndrome? You know, you talked about how that being a challenge for oh, yeah. people. Um, but do you ever get beyond that? Uh, no. Uh, I mean, yes, I still deal with it. No, I don't get beyond it. But it's about managing it. So let me give you an example. Uh, we're recording this on the 9th of May. I have this biggest speaking gig so far of my career on Saturday at Sailor Sessions in London. And I'm currently dealing with a bit of imposter syndrome. Um, I've been to that conference multiple times and sat in the audience and I'm speaking on a stage among people who I highly respect and I'm I'm sitting there going through my presentation every day thinking, man, I hope this is good enough, you know? Um, and, and really, the answer is, it is good enough. I know my stuff and I can prove it. I've built a great brand and sold it. Um, and when I deliver this type of information to people on an individual level in my consulting, it's incredibly valuable to them. So I know it's good enough, but that doesn't stop you from feeling imposter syndrome. And then there's the imposter syndrome of just starting a brand, you know. Uh, I'm just a, I'm just an ecologist. Why would anyone want to buy a fitness product from me, you know? Um, and what you have to do is uh, just put yourself out there because that's where the magic happens. And, you know, so I'm a big fan, actually, of encouraging people to make themselves the face of their brand. Yeah. And um, sometimes this can be a major juxtaposition. So I actually did this with my first brand. I am an averagely fit asthmatic. And in fact, I didn't even get into sports and training and fitness until I went to university. So it it comes as a surprise as a surprise to many that I made myself the face of Beast Gear. Like I was front and center on the website. Um, I was it was my name we used on all the marketing. I made no secret that I was just an average Joe. But it actually worked because A, it forced me to get over my imposter syndrome. But B it reminded me of a key marketing principle, and Robert Caldini talks about this actually in his book Influence. He talks about this idea of unity, which is this idea that um, people connect with people who are like them. And this is why micro-influencers work so much better than celebrities. So when I put myself as the face of the brand, other average Joes like me, and let's face it, that's who my customers were, right? I wasn't selling, there's not enough heavyweight champions of the world or, or world powerlifting champions to be my customers. Mm. So you're selling to average Joes who might aspire to be like them, but they also recognize who they are now. And that's, well, we're a bit like Ben, right? We're average Joes who take our fitness seriously and deserve great quality products. So I, I see him, I relate to him, I'm gonna buy from him. And that worked. And so I encourage people to do that all the time, right? If you have a knitting brand, make yourself the face of your knitting brand. Mm -hmm. If you love scuba diving and you're selling scuba diving accessories, make yourself the face of that, right? It doesn't matter what it is. Could even be, you know, a, a brand of products for professionals. Like you're a professional dentist. Make yourself the face of that. Um, and it works. And it, it forces you to get over your imposter syndrome as well because you, you have no choice but to put yourself out there. Mm. Do you then uh, advise people, someone comes into e-commerce, they see an opportunity to build a brand? Because not every successful brand is built by someone who has a 
clear affinity with that vertical mm. um, yeah it's possible to be successful outside of something you're passionate about it is um, yeah. but do you then still advise people not to do that is it sort of black and white like that or is it just no uh, it's, it's not black and white and i would never if somebody has a great idea even if they are not the customer avatar i wouldn't tell them not to do it it's just about managing how you do it mm. so it's about making sure that somebody in the organization is your customer hopefully and you do really smart research to make sure you understand your customer mm. and that you are continuously learning about your customer so you don't get a snapshot in time now of what your customer what the situation is but you find that actually that industry or that situation has changed over time and then you don't understand so take for example my new parent and baby brand right now i am my customer i am a parent of young children but in a few years time i won't be because my children will be older so it's really important that i keep educating myself about the challenges and needs of my customer avatar by staying in touch with them and there's a few ways you can do that you can just keep engaging with your audience and asking them questions you know ryan levesque wrote a, a great book on this subject called ask um, marcus sheridan wrote a similar book actually called uh, you ask they answer both really good books um, and it's about making sure that if you can, people in your organization are, are your customer or thinking outside the box and how can I really understand who my customers are? Maybe there are experts in your field that you could partner with. So again, my new parent and baby brand, I'm actually working with expert consultants in this space who, um, consult with some of the biggest brands in the world on the safety aspect of the products. And they also consult with new parents uh, on a daily basis. Um, and by working with those experts, I'm getting sort of from boots on the ground feedback from my industry to make sure that I, I understand it, right? So basically that's a long way of saying, if you're not your customer, just make sure you are finding ways to get, get deep into the mindset of your customer yeah. because of course you need to deliver helpful, compelling, engaging, free, useful content mm -hmm. to your customer to make sure they know, like, and trust you so that when they buy widget A from you, let's say on Amazon, when they need widget B, they've come to love your brand and they go back and buy your widget B and they don't just go buy some random widget B. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Even if you don't, if you, if you aren't the customer, understanding the customer intimately is critical, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then you, you talked about, um, or you have talked about in the past, other um, you know challenges for e-commerce entrepreneurs. Uh, you, you know, like the dark side of e-commerce entrepreneurship. Yeah. What are some other aspects and challenges that you've had to face in, in your journey to overcome? Well, there's been quite a few. I mean, there's the, the we spoke about the imposter syndrome. Another one I would talk about is actually uh, being an entrepreneur especially e-commerce by its nature, can be very lonely. Mm. You know, we're sat in our, you know, when I started B-Skier, I, I ran that on a laptop literally in a cupboard <laughs> because that's, all, that's the only space we had available in our flat. And so you're on your own. If you do have team members, they might be on the other side of the world. For many of us, none of our friends are entrepreneurs, are like our local friends. Mm. Um, certainly that was the case for me for a long time. That's changed now. I've come to find entrepreneurs and sort of, in a way, seek them out, I think. Uh, like attracts like and you end up becoming friends with entrepreneurs locally as well as sort of online I've got you know all my online entrepreneur buddies like you but but actually locally now I found some 
But to begin with, so many of us are quite lonely. And it's really important that we um, actually make sure that we're doing enough to connect with other people like us. So that means um, joining, yes, physical meetups, but you know, most of the valuable information I get these days is just from chat groups that I'm in on Messenger and WhatsApp and Discord and stuff like that. Um, and this kind of feeds me into another thought that, that comes to mind, which is when we're in that state, you know, we're feeling a bit lonely, maybe quite a lot of pressure. We might have put quite a lot of our money into an idea that we have. We're trying to prove to our friends and family, maybe we've got a spouse or loved ones who are really worried, ah, oh, they've put all this money into this, I really hope this works, this better work. Um, we can become quite vulnerable to the temptations of a lot of the stuff we see online from people who promise to make this work for us. In other words, the BS gurus. Mm. You know, I, I met a lady recently who has spent $150,000 on two scam artist gurus, one of whom everybody knows who they are, and this guy's probably going to jail. And it's really important that we make sure we don't get sucked into these BS guru things, yeah. or these kind of, there's, there's other ones out there which are like, they're not individuals, but they're like these sort of cult groups. Mm. And, and they'll show you uh, photographs and videos of people having an amazing time and make you feel like if you're outside the circle, um, your business is going to fail and you have to be in this circle and spend silly amounts of money to join this this cult. Um, and it's really important that we uh, don't fall into that trap as well. So that's kind of the dark side of e-commerce, I think, mm. that exists. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's... Um... There's lots of benefits and lots of exciting things to look at, but sometimes we don't appreciate some of the the challenges of it as well. Um, yeah. Do you have you ever had in your journey times where you think, "Well, I'm just going to go back to being an ecologist. It was easier, less stressful." Do you ever have those thoughts? I flirted with that for about five minutes after I sold Beast Gear. I was like, "Oh, what am I going to do?" Mm. And I, I, I thought about going back part time. Uh, and then came to my senses. <laughs> um, I, I, I have, I am an entrepreneur, yeah. right? I've discovered this entrepreneurial spark. It skipped a generation. My grandparents on both sides were entrepreneurs, and um, and it skipped a generation and landed up in me. And I didn't discover it until I got ill. And I think that's something that, if you, for a lot of people, something big happens in their life before they they make that change. Yeah. And now I couldn't go back to working for the man. And part of it, it's not just about being your own boss and freedom. It's about wanting to make an impact. Like I want the things that I create to be meaningful and useful yeah. and helpful for people and to be able to look back with satisfaction and say, I did that and people benefited from it because yeah. X. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do with my new brands and sort of I have these you know, very long-term visions for things I want to do, which will, will eventually take me back to ecology, but not as a practicing ecologist. Like I, I'm a big, you know, to go off off track for a moment, I'm I'm really into environmental conservation and real rewilding. Yeah. And and when I in the past I volunteered in uh, not for profit like NGO organizations in the environmental space, and I was obviously an ecologist, an ecological consultant. And what what frustrated me was that the academics are really smart, but they they're not very good at getting shit done. Yeah. And um, I think they need a little bit of an entrepreneurial spark to make stuff happen. And as entrepreneurs, that's what we do. We make mm -hmm. things happen. We change the world. Um, so one day uh, when I've kind of burnt through these brands and what I'm doing now, you know, I'm, I'm pretty young, I'm only 35. Um, I want to 
get back into that side of things and um, and make a difference there. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation because I talk to some people and they get into e-commerce and they're selling widgets online, right? And they think, well, you know, this is good and it's helping me make ends meet and growing my wealth or whatever. But what's yeah, what's the bigger, grander purpose in it all? Like, is this a little bit meaningless? And I think that there's so many levels to that obviously that there's more it creates the time that we can then do more maybe more meaningful stuff with it but i think that uh the the world and e-commerce would be such a better place if everybody approached it as you said there is actually how can i bring value to the market and ultimately mm. that's how you build a better e-commerce brand anyway isn't it not it's not about <clears throat> you know helium 10 shows me that that's high demand low competition and i can make a 25 percent margin so i'll sell it it's actually how do i bring you know, more value to the market that's already that, that than is already there, because the, you know, the the global uh, financial system was actually founded on on value exchange, wasn't it? I'm going to trade these four cows for that, you know, yep. two ton of wheat or whatever. You know, that that's how money kind of came about in, in the long run. It was a value exchange, and so I think if more people approached it as a, you know, I'm not just selling stuff on Amazon. That's some of my friends say to me, oh, well, how's how's the eBay stuff going, Ben? It's like, well. Firstly, it's mostly Amazon, but um, yeah. you know, it, it's oh, just yeah. like a, this little kind of like, oh, how's your little, you know, how's your little project going? It's like actually, I'm I, I want to bring products to the market that that create the value in the marketplace. You know, you're absolutely right, and that's you know, cr and cream rises to the top. Mm. So if the problem is that so many people, and again, this is because they're sold nonsense by by the BS gurus and the, the kind of cult cult groups. <laughs> is they believe that e-commerce is a get-rich-quick scheme. Mm -hmm. And oh, if, if I just find this product that this tool tells me to sell and then sell it, I'm going to make a ton of money. Um, that is not the basis of a, of a lasting, a sustainable business. And if you just have the patience to do what your competitors are not doing, you'll get there. Like, for instance, my co-founder and I, I, I we, we have a combat sports brand. He used to be my competitor. He actually came to me for for uh, for mentorship uh, as a client, as a consulting client, and eventually we partnered on a new brand. You know, we've entered a really competitive category, but we're competing with organizations that are not telling their story. They're just selling stuff on the internet. Mm. So we know that it's tough at first, but over time, cream will rise to the top, mm. right? And that's that's really important. Um, <laughs> what you just said there about your buddy's sin as eBay stuff going, mm. it just reminded me of a, of a story, right? I think I mentioned this in the book. So it was about 2018. Uh, I think I, w I, was, I had, hadn't quite quit my day job yet, but the business, we weren't doing millions in revenue. But I wasn't taking any money out of the business. I was just chucking it all back in. And I went to my friend's uh, stag do. That's a bachelor party for all you listeners in the US. And um, I, I rocked up in my little uh, Volkswagen Polo, which is a really small car. And... Um, uh, the, my, my friend had a lot of is from Edinburgh and he had a lot of rich banker friends and so this guy rocks up in a Porsche and over the course of the weekend uh, conversations happen about what we all do and I kind of explained to him what I was doing with, with my brand he was like alright so uh, so you just sell skipping rips on the internet <laughs> and, um, and, and and he said it in, in such a, a, a kind of uh, he, he was really looking down his nose at mm. me and um, and so he gets a mention in my book as a, as as Porsche douche. Um, <laughs> so I so um, I I would love to bump into him sometime and tell him what 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 happened with that brand. Yeah. Um, 
And so I think that that just reminds us that, you know, be patient, cream rises to the top. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's good stuff, man. It's good. Well, we've been chatting for a while, but um, yeah. we could chat all day. But just to finish up, do you have any final uh, words of recommendation for maybe particularly for someone that's struggling to get started? I'm an NR in doubting themselves. Obviously, it's yeah. a big topic of the, of the book that's going to come out. Um, final words of advice. Yeah, give yourself permission, right? You, you absolutely are allowed to be an entrepreneur. Um, and if you've already started, and I guess most people listening to this probably have already started because it's an e-commerce podcast, right? Um, you may be stalling, you may be plateauing, you may be coming up with difficulties, but um, it's important to just take a step back and remind yourself that you are the first, are the person that got you where you to where you are now in the first place. There's no one better than you to run your business because there is no one else like you, right? That's a great way to sidestep your competition, by the way, it's just also to be authentic. No one understands your audience like you. Deliver value to your people, and over time, that will pay off. Um, you've absolutely got this. If you head to quitstallingbook.com, you can get some bonuses and join the waiting list for the book. And uh, meanwhile, I'm all over social media. My handle is Ben Leonard Pro. Nice. You you are a, absolutely a pro because you did the call to action without me even having to ask you there. So that was it. <laughs> Quitstallingbook.com. Is that right? That's right. Quitstallingbook.com. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll leave a link for that in the um, description below as well for anybody to check that out. Mate, I'm, I'm super excited for your book. I can't wait to grab a hold of a copy and, uh, and give it a read. And we really appreciate all that you invest into the community, both in you know, Brand Builder University and, um, you know, and beyond the wider e-commerce community. Uh, you were talking about imposter syndrome for your talk at the weekend. And I'm just like, you're one of the most qualified people to be giving that talk, mate. So, um, you know, we appreciate <laughs> your, you know, you investing so much because you, you could just go off and, you know, sit on a beach for the rest of your life now. But you don't. You come and you bring value and, and we really appreciate it. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, and I don't like sand anyway. Yeah, who does? <laughs> yeah, good. Cheers, Ben. Thanks, mate. Good stuff. Well, thanks for joining us in this episode this week, guys. Hopefully you found that um, helpful and encouraging and maybe a little bit of a different feel to usual episodes, but stuff we need to talk about as entrepreneurs. The challenges are more than just profit and loss, uh, you know, sales demand competition. It's about the internal struggles that we all face. So hopefully you got something out of it. If we can help with anything more, please do reach out and we'll see you in the next episode. Same time next week. Take care.